When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. style peter king just made the best post he's ever made pete does a lot on social media he's great on facebook and instagram and twitter so he puts up a post this morning there's a picture on the left of chaz palm and terry two pictures of chaz on the right a picture of me and peter a picture of me william DeMeo, and leo rossi and at the very top a picture of me with the uh, words talking about my character dave busco when he writes this Watched Gravesend Series 2, Episode 2, on Amazon Prime last night, featuring two good friends of mine, Sid Rosenberg and Chaz Palminteri. This is, again, Peter King. Gravesend captures the grime and grit of the Brooklyn mob scene, and Sid and Chaz make it happen. Sid's ego will be bigger than ever. Well, Signed, Peter King. That was such a bold prediction. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. That's not true. I don't even talk about it. Okay. Yeah, Thank by you. the way, could we get this TV on Channel 5? Because <laughs> William DeMeo and, and uh, what's the kid's name? He's cute. He's gay. Um, Mario Cantone. <laughs> They're about to go on with Rosanna Scotto on Channel 5 talking about me and Gravesend. So put that on, is, damn it. Can, is that on his resume? <laughs> yeah. I'm cute and I'm gay. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Fine. I don't even talk about <laughs> I don't. I really bring it up. Thank you, uh, right. Peter King. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, my next guest I just saw moments ago on Fox News. And, of course, he's a dear friend of the program and a dear friend of mine. He is the very, very talented and brilliant, mind you, Dr. Mark Siegel. Siegel, 811 Monday morning. How are you, pal? 
Well, I love you so much that I'm going to ignore the fact that you didn't put me in that beautiful ad that you have in the New York Post today, talking about how you're the greatest morning show ever. I agree with that. And well, Pete King is one of the reasons, by the way. Yes, so he I'm, is. I'm in good company. Yeah, he's on every Wednesday. So uh, now you, Kimberly Gilboyle, and Rudy Giuliani uh, will be in next month because you all reached out to me. Now, you know I love you, and I watch you on TV all the time. In fact... I can't hear you when you're on in the morning on Fox and Friends because I'm on at the same time. But I've got televisions in the studio. And I think I saw something really fascinating this morning. Were you on with Brian, Peter, and uh, Ainsley talking about a Yale doctor who is now asking physicians to wear body cams in an attempt to reverse racism? Exactly. Brian, uh, St- Steve, and, and Ainsley. And uh, this is a shocker. Coming out of Yale, Dr. Calhoun wrote an op-ed in the New York, uh, I mean, in the Boston Globe. She uh, is a psych resident and an MPH, uh, public health expert. But this is beyond absurd. And I'll give you many reasons I think that before I get to our sports roundup. First of all, <laughs> for, first of all, The whole idea of a doctor-patient encounter is an intimate disclosure of information where I can help the patient. And I can't do that if I'm being recorded, if every word I say is being recorded. Same for the patient, by the way, not just for me. So it's a really bad idea. It undermines the whole idea of, of trust of kindness, of compassion, and of disclosure. Yes, I bring a second person into the room, a a nurse, if I'm examining a woman. Uh, As far as the underlying idea that that racism has gotten so out of control in doctor-patient encounters that it requires recording, it's not my experience. I'll I'll tell you, Sid, you know, I trained at Bellevue, and and I've been in practice over 30 years. Is there racism? Sure. Is there anti-Semitism? Sure. Is there misogyny? Sure. But the vast majority of the doctors that I know and work with treat people pretty much the same. I mean, do we have biases? Yes, but we're trained that people are the same. Everybody has organ systems. Everybody has the same diseases, and that's how we look at it. So, and 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 plus, we're already under the gun with malpractice and with with people reporting us to the hospital, patient advocates. So I, I reject this completely out of hand. And by the way, I know what you're going to say next. With the police body cams, they found that it was the perps that, that caused most of the trouble, yes. not the police. Right. right. But, but what they do is they, they cut off just enough of the video and make the video available to the media that only shows the bad guy getting shot. And people go, oh, my God, they don't show the whole video. And I'm sure they'll do the same thing with the doctors. And i got to tell you, very anecdotal, but I've got a lot of experience with your hospital, NYU. Ava was there just a couple of months ago. I've been there. My wife, Danielle, many, many, many years ago had exploratory surgery there. We've all been there. And every time we've been there, it's been a very rewarding stay. We've never had an issue. Never. No, and, and that's the, the there's a standard of care. Now, it, 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 that is a philosophy we superimpose, and that's how we're trained. And and we have to be trained that way. I mentioned Bellevue specifically because Bellevue takes all comers. That's the whole philosophy of the hospital. And I've treated murderers next, right next to the people, to the people that, that well, not, not I, I've, I've, I've treated people who assault people handcuffed on stretchers next to the people they assaulted. Right. That's how we approach it. Right, right. You know, I read something interesting, too, last week talking about COVID because, you know, Doc, I've been very adamant about this, uh, uh, even Bernard, when he was here, God rest his soul, that I thought COVID was gone well before. And there are still morons, morons every day wearing masks in this city. I don't know why. I don't know why, but they're wearing masks. But I read something last week 
that somebody who works for the city, you know, one of these city help people, said, hold on a second, don't get too comfortable because he can tell you for a fact there'll be another strain, maybe worse than the first, still to come. Don't get too comfortable. I read that, I was like, really? We're still doing stuff like that? What are your thoughts on his statement? I think you already got to the other virus here, which is fear. It, fear is used to control the population. And when, the, when you want to look at the medical facts, we've put down a huge layer of immunity against SARS-CoV-2 now in its various forms, both from having had infections. And I think one of the reasons for the anger in this country was that there was a lack of recognition by public health authorities that having had COVID gave you some immunity. That was recognized in Europe and in Israel and in other countries, not recognized here. So we have a layer of immunity from previous infection, plus all the vaccinations, plus the fact that the, that the strains of Omicron have clearly been milder. We're seeing less long COVID from it, less hospitalizations from it, and, and it's petered out. Can it come back? Yes. Is it going to be worse? No. No. The nature of a virus when it's been around a while is that it, it doesn't get worse. It actually gets milder, and that's what we're seeing so it's something that's with us it, like the flu is with us but it's right. not it's not going to reiterate it, it, its previous uh terror except in people's minds right and that's why there's still home kids and people still test for it when in reality the flu is a heck of a lot worse right now than uh than covid and you're right the the fear factor is the major deal now rfk jr is a guy that's getting a lot of play on the left because he's second to Biden. Now he's miles behind him, 35 points, 30 points, 40 points in some polls, but he is in second, and he does kind of, Dr. Mark Siegel, speak to both parties. He is an anti-vaxxer, but a lot of people say, well, listen, he's made some points. I know a lot of folks that got the vaccines and still got COVID afterwards. In fact, they're still getting COVID now. What are your thoughts on some of the anti-vaxxers? Well, I I have a position slightly different, which is why you have me on. Here's my position. I've been on Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s show, Ring of Fire, over the years many times. I think he's sharp as a tack. I think he's a great attorney. I think he's championing causes for social justice. I think he is a worthy opponent of Biden. I think Biden, as we know, is faltering. I mean, you can't use the word gaff anymore. I'm sorry. That that, that gaff is for something that happens when you're making a joke or something. But right. I, I think we're well beyond the gaff stage. But the problem is that RFK Jr. is not right about vaccines because what we need to not do with vaccines is look for side effects and say, you see, you see, you see, somebody got this issue, somebody's heart rate went up, somebody got. Listen, the whole thing we do in the doctor's office is called the risk benefit analysis. Of course, the thing has risks. We shouldn't be downplaying it. Which is worse, the virus or the vaccine? It's not political. It's medical. Which is worse, the virus or the vaccine? And then. Over time, is there a benefit for having been vaccinated? I go over this with each patient, Sid. If a patient said, I did really poorly with the last vaccine, I'm probably not shoving another one at them. It depends on what the history is. Have you heard about this new drug, Trank? Seems that New York City officials, Dr. Mark Siegel, are encouraging Trank addicts to use zombie drug under supervision. So it's not bad enough. I mean, I'm an addict, right? I am a, a, a proud, uh, I admit it, I'm in recovery for a long time. And I say that if you make drug use easier for the addict, the odds are higher they're going to do it. The whole idea is to try to dissuade drug addicts from using drugs, not help them. Don't put crack pipes in vending machines. Don't have them show up at these uh, these places and shoot them up with drugs like this drug, Trank, which, by the way, eats at your flesh. 
What am I missing here? I'm a recovering addict. I think you've got it totally ass backwards in this city. I think you could give a, a lecture on exactly what you just said. You nailed it. The fact is that one leads to another, and that applies to cannabis, too, which and I like to say marijuana should be renamed because it's got so much THC in it now, <laughs> whereas when we were kids, said, you know, it was 1.5%. Now it's 30%. It's a different drug. Wow. It's invading the workplace, and it's being, of course, legalized in 23 states, but it's, and then the medical uses of it in 38 states, almost anybody can get it with a prescription, the easiest thing in the world. And it's it's propagating itself and invading the workplace. Pregnant women are, are, are smoking marijuana, and, and that's very dangerous to the fetus. And it leads to other usage, which was your point about Trank. I mean, it, you can't control this by giving alternative drugs. That's not the way to control it. You have to acknowledge that it's an issue. And I'm worried about, I'm worried about it cognitively. Like, how are people performing? What are the long-term effects? That's what I'm worried about. And the other point which you and I have made multiple times, is the pandemic fueled this fire, didn't it? Everybody staying at home, people worried, anxious, and they self-medicated. Oh, during the pandemic, drug use and alcohol use and all that went up. So did battery at home and horrible, uh, horrible violent situations between significant others. All that went up. And, uh, of course, there are still people out there that refuse to admit Dr. Mark Siegel that uh, shutting everything down and keeping people home was the wrong thing to do. But we're well past that at this point. How about the fact that Jacob deGrom is already out for the year? <laughs> well, but they, the Mets didn't help them. I agree. You and I, you and I put, put that to bed last year. I yes. Think. I think there was no. I think that that it was fine, but but Verlander's too too old. And I, right now, I'm focusing on the Yankees because I think I want to ask you if if Paul O'Neill is coming back as their their hitting coach because <laughs> because getting rid of Dylan Lawson. I, look, they they got a manager who's pretty good, but they don't. But that hitting is not their thing, and they they need to up the game. What do you think about Paul O'Neill for that? Well, I don't think he would ever do it. He makes uh, millions of dollars sitting in a cushy <laughs> booth. But but you know, the, to me, there's there's and I used to argue with this. Uh, Jody McDonald, way back when on WFAN, early 2000s, the Mets had former Yankee great Chris Chambliss as their hitting coach. And they fired him, one of those guys, I forget. And I was like, why? I go, these kids have been playing baseball since they're six years old. It's like tennis players. You don't get to the major leagues unless you've been playing baseball your whole life. There's very few, maybe Charlie Lau, maybe George Brett, that have helped people become better hitters when they're already at the major league level. So to fire a hitting coach is so ridiculous, and all it does is say to the fans, look, somebody's taking the fall. But he's the last guy that should take the fall. These guys are making millions of dollars to do something they've done for 30, 25, 20 years, hit the baseball. Firing the hitting coach to me is a joke. That's a really good point, and I think they're also reeling psychologically from the cameraman getting hit in the head and having the fracture, and by the oh, what the, was that? Jimmy Cordero getting out for domestic violence. <laughs> yeah, all that, they got all that, that too. That. Yeah, tell me about that cameraman story. That was that was pretty ugly, no? He got an orbital fracture. He went home. He's he dodged a bullet. It could have been a lot worse. But man, that's a that, that shortstop can can really throw. I mean, I, I, if he could only control it. But, <laughs> but, but, by the way, what about the Knicks getting getting rid of Obi Tobin for nothing? For nothing. Well, What's that? what happened was, uh, and a lot of people don't know this, but in that last series against the Miami Heat. I guess Obi was upset with his lack of playing time or something the coach did. And there's a video that my son Gabriel, my son Gabe now is the biggest NBA fan. He knows everything about every team, including the Knicks. And Gabe showed me the video, he played the audio, I should say, where uh, at the end of the game, Obi Toppin is taped actually saying this guy can't coach. And he was talking about 
of course, the Nick head coach. So Tom <laughs> Thibodeau, so you knew at that point that it was going to be uh, pretty much over for Obi. Caught on tape after a Nick loss to the Heat downstairs by the locker room, yelling about the lousy coaching job Tom Thibodeau was doing. That made his exit, Dr. Mark Siegel, very easy. And I'm, I'm very sad because even though I'm a Randall fan, especially because when you and I were sitting in the front row, he looked to you for approval, <laughs> by the way. No, no, no. I know. He's from Texas, and it just so happened the guy sitting right in front of me, Dr. Mark, is kind of a well-known guy, Dallas Cowboy, Hall of Fame wide receiver Michael Irvin. I think he was looking at him, but thank you. <laughs> looking at both of you because you knew you knew you both and you know each other. But, you know, look, I'm a Randall fan. I think he's an exciting player, player but Top, Toppin's point is, you know, he was supposed to get more playing time. Yep. Everybody thought he was going to come up behind and be Mr. Consistency and yep. get more minutes. So maybe yep. he has a real gripe here. I don't know, but uh, the Knicks are a really good basketball team, yes. and Brunson was great, but they really need to add one more uh, major scorer, and they haven't done it yet. So um, I'm trying to see what uh, what they're going to do next. You know, they didn't make any big trades. They lost a guy in top, and so we'll see. But nevertheless, it is great to have you back, Dr. Mark Siegel. Excellent appearance. We'll do it again very, very soon. We're, I love you, we're pal. We're going to be at that steakhouse very soon. In a couple of months, we're heading to that steakhouse. So Keens, Keens Steakhouse. Uh, yeah, and, they, then, and then the game. And as soon as they see your face, we're going to the front row. So we're good. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Mark. You were great. Thank you. Thank you so much. There he is, Dr. Mark Siegel, on this Monday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning. Man, what a show already. This is a Monday morning. Monday morning. <laughs>